0: here this morning amen you may be seated as I turn some of the lights on so I can see all your wonderful faces uh, even though you are social distance from me anyways that's a joke anyways God is just moving and we're so happy to have everybody here today and those that are joining us online thank you so much uh, for joining us online wherever you are whoever you're watching it or listening. Uh, with it, we just pray that God blesses you and your family today. And, um, anyways, uh, wanted to just read a scripture today. And you know, we've been talking uh, in the last several weeks, and we've named this "of family matters." I know that's a common uh, name. I heard that on the radio this week, and I was like, "Man, they stole my you know theme." And uh, but I know it's common, and I know that we talk about family matters. How many know that family matters to God? Amen. And so, we've been just wanted to share something a little different today that uh, I've thought about many times and to share or to talk about. I've talked about it to young people many times. And, you know, I've never really heard messages like like this today. But I want to just share to you today the roles of children in the family. What is the role of children in the family? Let's start with Ephesians chapter 6. If you turn with me or click in your device to Ephesians chapter 6, just one, verses 1 through 3. And I just want to talk to you about roles, kids' roles, In the family today. It's very important. How many know there is a battle raging for families today? And especially for children. Especially for children. And uh, I'm telling you right now, I believe that uh, we're going to win the battle. Come on. We're going to see not just kids saved, but we're going to see families saved. Amen. And our heart is to reach out to families. Not just older people. Not just younger people. But the entire family. And so we want to see this entire church reach the entire family because it's God's will. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 and three, it says this, it says, "Children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may go well with you and you might enjoy a long life on the earth. How many believe that from the very beginning God had children in mind as part of the family? And, you know, the marriage union together, just that husband and wife, that is the center of the family, that makes up the family. Or a parent or that position of a parent. That makes up the family and everything else is centered around that. And so many times people center everything around their children. But it's not to be centered around the children. It's to be centered around that relationship, marriage relationship or relationship with the Lord. Uh, Come on, if you're a single parent, that's what it's supposed to be. Your position and your role as a parent is is the primary focus that God looks at when he looks at your family. And so from the very beginning, God has got children in mind. And just like a husband and wife, we've got to understand that kids have a role in the family. Kids have a role. The good news is, is that today, from today on or wherever you really were born again, how many know it starts with you? Your family tree might look like some wild bush, right? Or some wild weed. But how many know it can start with you? Amen. And no matter what your family tree looks like, God wants to start a blessing in your family starting with you. I've I've talked to hundreds of kids whose parents weren't born again. And their desire is that their parents become born again. But you know what I encourage them is, is that it can start with you. No matter how dysfunctional your parents were, no matter how much, you know, maybe you can go back to many generations and say there wasn't a Christian in my family. But how many know it can start with you? Amen? And so today we're going to try something a little different. And so we're going to talk to the kids, I'm going to talk to the parents, and, and uh, I'm going to go back and forth a little bit. But I want to just remind everybody that God is good. And his plan, as the Bible says, is very good. How many believe that marriage is very good? God wants a very good marriage. And growing up can be very good. And being a child in a home can be very good. And your role as a child can be very good. And so I want to just bring some principles out. What I see in Ephesians chapter 6... I believe that if we'll go with God's plan, we'll go God's way, we'll, we'll kind of, we talked about God's design several weeks ago. I believe that as a, a child or a teenager, or a young adult, that your needs will be met in your life. You know, children have a need for attention. They have a need for acceptance and self-worth. And they have a need for security. But how many know when children step into their role, these needs are met? When parents step into the role, how many believe... These their their children's needs are met. Amen. And so, but it's important to understand that it's not about just raising little kids. How many of those little kids grow up? And we talked to the teenagers years ago, and I said, you know, you're not going to be a teenager forever. How many believe that? You how many were told that teenage years were the best years of your life? You ever told that? How many can say they were? Not too many people, right? They're not the best years of your life. They're the most important years of your life but they're not the best years of your life. Amen? The the important years of your life is so that you'll enjoy the best years of your life as you get older. Amen? Many people look at it as from a rebellious point of view, that it's time to run around, run from the law, do your thing, party, and those are the best years of your life. How many know being a teenager is very difficult sometimes? It's very hard sometimes. Being a child can be, uh, for them, be very hard. Amen? We look at it like, man, you watch TV, you eat food, you take naps, and then you cry about not having your favorite book. How hard can your life be, right? And we work two jobs. Anyways, and so we have to understand some roles uh, from our, of our children in the family. So let me go through this. Number one, it is to love, it is to obey, it is to honor, and it is to build. And so I'm going to go through that, uh, uh, that first point today, love, the role to love. The role of a, a ch- child. Now, when I say children, okay, I'm going to go back and forth with children, you know, kids, whatever. Uh, there's usually three, we can break this up into three kind of categories or or. Different uh, people that I'm going to be talking to, age groups. There's, there's a child. There's the infant. There's the, you know, there's the toddler. There's a the child, and then there's the teenager, the young adult, uh, adolescent. There's a the teenager, and then of course the adult. And so we see, as a child, a teenager, as an adult. How many know every one of us is a child of somebody here, right? So some of these apply. And uh, no matter how old you are, and how many know even though you're 30, 40, 50 years old, 60 years old, you're still somebody's child, amen. And so uh, these principles probably will apply mostly to people who are still living under their parents' roof. And so, you know, years ago, Duffy Robbins said that a child says, help me, a teenager says, show me, an adult says, follow me. And our goal is to get our children, which says, help me, to a place where they say, follow me. To get them to a place where they're able to live on their own. And Did you know that from the time they're born, you're helping them be individuals and be independent? You're you're, you're getting ready and you're preparing them to be released into, as we say, the world or to adulthood. And so it's not just that they're going to stay these little kids forever. You know, no no child uh, or no teenager likes to be treated as a child. Is that right? And no adult likes to be treated like a teenager. Is that right? So we, we want to try to make this age appropriate as much as possible, but really as a child or a young person, you are setting the stage of how your life is going to go. And so these are very important years, and I, I believe that uh, all kids, all children need the role of a mom and dad. How many believe that? All kids. Now, I want to thank the Lord for step-parents and adopted parents and foster parents and youth and and, uh, children activities and programs that we have. How many know that's all essential because kids need the role of parents in their life? They have to have it. That's the way God made it. Uh, That's that's just the way it is. Uh, I believe it was Robert Talbert said that teaching kids to count is fine, but teaching them what counts is better. How many believe that? Amen? You can do that. And so I I also believe that in our culture, in our society today, we're battling a lot of things. We're coming up against a lot of things. And today I see this. I see that our kids are really being robbed of a few things today. Number one, they're being robbed of innocence. There is an innocence that's being taken away or trying to be taken away from our kids. How many know one of the things that defines a child is innocence? That's why Jesus said if you can have faith as a child, you'll see the kingdom or enter into the kingdom of God. He wants you to go back to the innocence of believing God and and Jesus being Lord of your life. Come on, somebody. Amen. So innocence is being taken away. This is also something that's being robbed of our kids today is the blessing of two parents and the blessing of opposite-sex parents. Amen. There's a blessing there. Kids are being robbed of that. It's being taken away from them. They're being robbed of the principles of life. Just the basic principles of life. And then also they're being robbed of the reality of lasting relationships. They're being taught if you don't like something, you quit. You give up. You walk away. But how many know, amen, God's design in order is a little different than that. Amen. God's design restores what the world has taken away. God adds to what the world wants to take away. Anybody listening? Right? Amen. If you're online, you can text amen. In fact, we'd love to hear from you and let you know that you're, you're uh, joining us today. Anyways, I also believe that our culture has a way of teaching treating our children that, uh, of several things. But as I just saw recently, I saw kind of two roles of kids playing. I, I, I saw that uh, people have a tendency to treat their children like pets or like royalty. Do you ever notice that? When I explained by pets that if they get out of hand, you just call animal control and they sedate them. Right? Or if you're tired of them, you just turn them over to the animal shelter. That's, you know, it's nice and everything and they're cute, but then when they get older, eh, you know, they're a little messy, right? And then, like royalty, you know, it's kind of like they get its entitlement and they get everything and, and they deserve everything and the whole world revolves around them and you pay taxes to keep them stimulated. And, and, and if you cross them, then it's what? Off with your head. I mean, it's execution time, right? So, how many know that God wants us to treat our children like they're His? Right. So that's the principles we see in the Bible that God wants us to treat his, uh, our children like they're his children, that we value them, that we nurture them, that we instruct them, empower them and release them into life. That's exactly God's plan for them. And so we see this in Ephesians chapter six. Let we go back to the scripture, bring out something else that le- lays the groundwork. For our first point, and that is Ephesians chapter 6, Paul addresses children. Now, he doesn't address kids all the time. He addresses young adults in 2 in, uh, Corinthians, I believe it is. He, he addresses parents many times, husbands, wives. He addresses uh, workers and, and owners, uh, business owners. But he he addresses children, and when he addresses kids, he, he addresses them from the original covenant from God. And what I mean by that is the original covenant that God gave the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. What is in the middle of the Ten Commandments? Honor your father and your mother. This was so important. God put it in as one of the laws, one of the commandments. And so Paul recognizes this and he addresses this and he reminds them that this is not only an important commandment, but this was the first commandment with a promise. The first commandment with a promise. But how many know that also that this commandment, if you've studied it, is not just a, promi- uh, you know, a, a commandment with a promise, it also has a curse. Did you know that? That this is a commandment with a curse. In Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 16, it says, "...cursed is the one that treats his father and mother with contempt." Or in the King James, it says, "...that sets light," or sets, setteth light, not puts a light beside them, but sets light." Or despises them in his heart or curses them secretly. This commandment all comes with a blessing, but it also comes with A curse. Now, some of your children aren't hearing what I'm saying, understanding what I'm saying, but you can tell them later. This is for your information as well. I know, uh, you know, someone like Ezra isn't catching this today and giving me a whole lot of amens, got this, but this is still for him. Deuteronomy chapter 21. Listen to this. This is how serious God was about this, and this is the importance of this commandment because God had severe punishment. Wow. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, this always blew me away. I tried to stay away from this when I was a teenager. And someone preached on this one time, and I became very upset. But in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 19, it says, If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother uh, and will not listen to them even after he has been disciplined, his father and mother will take hold of him and bring him to the elders of the gate of the city. And the Bible says in verse 21, And then all the men of this town are to stone them, him to death, and you must purge evil from among you, and all Israel will hear this and be afraid. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Really intense. You know, your kids are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. That happened. And so God wanted to just make a point here that this was very serious. And there's other things that happened. Like in addition to it being a curse, there was a curse of blindness, a spiritual blindness that came on those who dishonored their parents. In Proverbs 30, verse 17, says, "...the eye that mocks a father..." That scorns an aged mother will be plucked out by the ravens of the valley and be eaten by the vultures. Now that just sounds disgusting but terrifying as a child, right? In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 20. Whoever curses his father and his mother, his lamp shall be put out in complete darkness. The lamp speaks of your soul. The lamp speaks of your soul. Always speaks of your soul in the Bible. And so let's, let's look at this now that we've talked about there is, you know, what the roles are, are the basic roles. And, and this important uh, uh, principle that it's so vital to God. Let's, let's look, look at the first role of children in the family. The first role is to love. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, l- listen to this very carefully. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord, in Colossians chapter three, verse twenty and twenty-one, he repeats the same thing, preaches the same message. Right in this letter to the Colossian church, he says the same thing. This is so important. He says, "Obey your parents." Here is the key: in the Lord, or obey your parents as His representatives. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, because you are a Christian. Not whether your your parents are Christian or not, but whether because you are a Christian. So, as in the Lord, I always thought that meant parents that were Christians. That's not what it means. How many know you, you don't just to honor and obey your parents just because they're Christians? Right? Right. That's what it means. So, so, I looked at that. Oh, that means in the Lord. Or that means if they're spiritual. or if they're, Or if they're living right. No, that's not what that means. It means because you belong to the Lord, because you, as a child... If you're born again and you're a child, I don't care if you're 4, 14, or 24. If you're a child of somebody, amen, this applies to you. You are God. You belong to God. So the first thing we see as the role that uh, children uh, play in the the family is to love God. A love for God. This is what it means. A love for God. And so how do you begin to love God? Let me give you three ways that you begin to love God as a child or teenager or young adult, and that is, number one, understand God's love for you. When a child understands God's love for them, amen, something amazing happens. How many are here today, and maybe because you were maybe born again at a VBS or a Sunday school, but maybe it was because of a Sunday school teacher or instructor or something, a song or something you learned at youth camp or something God touched you, healed you, saved you at youth camp. I am, I am, and thank God for that. Thank God for those experiences, those times. I experienced God's love in my life at a young age. And so I believe it's important for our children to understand God's love for them. That God formed them. They're formed by God. They're formed for His purpose and they're th- th- to be with the Lord. That's what He formed them for. For Him, to be with Him. And young people were designed, and my my honest opinion is that young people were designed and to spend their teenage years to chase God's glory and God's purpose for their life. Amen. They need to understand God's love. When you understand God's love for you, it'll blow your mind. It will completely captivate your life. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1 says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Remember your Creator. Get to know Him. Understand Him. Amen. And how many know that's wonderful when a child embraces the Lord Jesus Christ at a young age? Amen. That's what we all desire for our kids. But you know, there's no such thing as coattails, riding the coattails in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as God's got grandchildren. He's got sons and daughters. And I don't care if you're just newly, just a little kid, they can understand God's love. They can feel God's love. They don't have to understand all the scriptures and end-time prophecies, but they can understand God's love. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say, my kids understand God's love. Amen. And maybe you were little when you felt the love of God come into your life. And so there's no coattails. See, because spirituality is engaged by your parents' condition. Did you know that? You know, it's not, it's not uh, determined by your family's situation. You know, some kids like it when their parents aren't spiritual. They think they can get away with more things and I don't have to be accountable. But man, when, when, but when you really talk to them, they wish their parents were. I mean, I've spent many hours at the altar, many times at the altar, praying with young people that are believing God for their parents because they want their parents to be saved. Amen? Right? And so we know that you can't get into heaven because your parents are Christian. You can't get into heaven because your grandparents are Christian. Thank God for their influence and your impact in your life. But how many know you have got to know God for yourself? And I'm talking to the children, young people today. God loves you, and you've got to understand God's love for your life, and God's touching you and your amen in your heart. And so you can't do that. So you've got to understand God's love for your lo- for your life for you. I mean, it's intense. Ever since you were born, God was waiting to see. Uh, how you would turn out. I mean, he the Bible says that he watched you grow. He formed you. Your eyelashes, your fingernails. He said, uh, David said when I was in the I was hidden before everybody else, God saw me being formed in my mother's womb. The second thing that the understand and you you do it to receive the love of God and understand it as a child is embrace God as your father and only influence in your life. As your greatest, your first influence. Let's put it that way. Your first influence. Embrace God as your father and first influence. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, Jesus had replied to his mother and his father. And he said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, what did he mean by that? Well, they went to a festival. Jesus got lost at a shopping center. They, they you know, went two days and they left him there. How many have ever been left at the store as a kid? Yeah. And church. Yes, I have been. And so, you know, they come back, they left him there, he was there, he, was, he, he wasn't playing kickball or anything else, he was astounding the doctors and lawyers in the temple. with Why? Because at 12 years old, he was consumed with knowing his heavenly Father. At 12 years old, he, was, he embraced, uh, you know, the Lord as his heavenly Father, and he was consumed in this relationship with God Almighty. Think about it. How many know your kids don't have to go through teenage rebellious years? At the age of 12, Jesus was passionate. I mean, he is consumed by the purpose of God for his life. Now, at age 12, this is a wonderful time for kids to get saved around this time. But also, something else happens a lot of times, is that their friends become a greater influence in their life than their parents'. But Jesus wasn't like this. and It wasn't like Jesus. Jesus didn't do this. His heavenly father, was. this relationship was his greatest influence, more than his friends, more than anybody else. Even his family, he was so caught up in his relationship with the Lord. And so from that time on, we see Jesus being consumed with developing his relationship, amen, with his heavenly father above every other relationship. And the third thing is, is that you need to make God greater than anything else. You know, especially with teenagers, at that time in their life, they're becoming uh, coming into this place of self awareness, right? But sometimes it can turn into self centeredness, and I believe that we need to help our kids be uh, God aware, uh, have a God awareness and a God centeredness, and that's what it means to make God, uh, you know, greater than anything else in your life. So love for God. And this is how passions develop. This is how uh, this develops your passions in life when you really begin to love God. The second thing is that we not just love God, but we uh, love, we have a love for what's right. So that's the second thing as we see as Paul's saying here. And as he's saying is that you 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 know you obey your parents in the Lord as because you're Christians because you love God. But then he says this: it is just and right, or he says it's the right thing to do. How many know kids need to learn at a young age that there's just some things in life that you do because it's the right thing to do? Amen. Anybody listening? Amen. It's just the right thing to do. You teach them not to steal, right? Because it's the right thing we don't we don't steal. That's the right thing we don't steal. How many have done that? You've had to go back to the store. They've had to pay. You've had to do this. They've had to apologize. Right? Come on. We teach them these things because we teach them what's right in life. And so... Paul addresses children. He says, look, this is the right thing to do because God has placed your parents and authority over you. So it's the right thing to do. Colossians says this. He writes this to the Colossian church. He says, this is well pleasing to the Lord. This is the thing. Now, if you love God, you're going to want to please him. You're going to want to make God happy. You're going to want to, as a child, you're going to want to make God happy. You know, you ask your kid, do you love God? Yes, I do. Do you want to make Him happy? Yes. Do you want God to be mad at me? No, no, no. I don't want that, right? Kids will do that. But all they understand is, I just want to make God happy. I just want to make my parents happy. I just want to make, you know, everybody happy. So we, we see this as well-pleasing to the Lord. This is why we obey our parents, because we love them. I'll never forget when we would ask our kids when they were real little, I would ask my boys, I'd say, now, why do we obey mom and daddy? Why do we listen Because we'll get a spanking. No, 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 no. Because we love mommy and daddy. You see the difference? It's not we we obey because we'll get punished. We obey because we love. Amen? Amen. Is there any kid that would say amen? Okay, all right. So, So this is why we do it. And so God wants us to use parents. God uses parents to forge in their children the love for what is right, the love for what is good, the love for what is just. Come on, somebody. Amen. Let I me mean, know God wants you to love what is just, Amen. what is good and what is right. And that's what happened. We forged those things in our children, and we put those things in their life. And so God wants children, it, it's good that they be themselves. I believe that our kids need to be themselves and form their own identity, but in the context of His design and His principles. How I many you know God's never going to allow your child to form some type of identity that He hasn't already created for them. Amen. And so, so, yeah, children are being themselves, and they're unique. And, you know, there's some of you here that you are different than everybody else in your family. You, you, you know, I don't know if you called yourself the black sheep or whatever you called yourself, but you just seem different. I had a friend that grew up, and, and it just seemed like, man, he was so different than his family. But, you know, he, he had differences, but he never let that separate him from his family. They appreciated differences. They celebrated those, but they didn't do things outside the context of his design. How I many know what I'm talking about? Just because you seem to be a little different doesn't mean you can't obey your parents, right? Or honor them or love them. Or, or to have healthy relationships in your life. And so, I believe that. That's good. You know, kids are themselves and form their identity. But how many know our identity is in Jesus Christ? Amen. Our identity is in God Himself. That's our character and our image comes from the Lord. Now, it's very interesting to talk about this because one of the things as we talked about in, a, in, in marriage and we talked about to adults. How many know one of the things that are hindrances to coming into our roles as, as a married couple and adults is our fallen nature. But how many know kids have that fallen nature as well? I don't know about anybody here, but nobody probably is born an angel. Nobody's born a Christian. You're not born. You may be born into a Christian family, but you're not born a Christian. The Bible says everyone has sinned. Everyone has gone their own way. Everyone has turned and gone their own way. Even little kids are born with a fallen nature, Right? And some of you have expressed that fallen nature this morning before church. Amen. So there's that fallen nature. But let me just say this, and especially to to teenagers and to young adults and to kids, there's three things that I see that's your challenge. Your challenge is the fallen nature. Your fallen nature, the culture, and your feelings will always challenge your role in your family. Always. Always. So your fallen nature, the things that you don't want to do, you want to have your own way, you demand your own way, you want to be selfish and, and hurt other. Come on, that, that's the fallen nature. Culture is not friendly to a good family or a good marriage. They act like they are, but how many know ultimately a culture without God cannot be at peace? Come on, or cannot have joy or whatever. But this is what they don't encourage. They don't encourage. Our culture right now is not encouraging the family unit. In fact, one of of our leaders uh, a couple years ago said it takes a whole village to raise a kid. No, it doesn't. It takes just one parent. It takes a good parent. It takes parents. Come on, it takes godly parents to raise a child. Amen. Amen. We don't need a culture to raise children. Our culture is godless. They don't know how to raise kids. Amen. They're going to tell kids, do what you want, feel how you are. They're affirming kids at four or five years old and telling them they were something different than what they were born. How many know our culture doesn't know how to parent our children? God's graced you to that, and God's word instructs us to do that. And so we see that. And so just like... And a marriage is very important. Just like a husband needs a wife as his strength and his rescuer, so kids need their parents. They have to have them. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6, it says that children's children are the crown of old men. Like grandchildren. That's the crown of old men. Loves his grandchildren. But here's something very interesting. And the glory of children are their fathers. Or children take pride in their parents. Or parents are the pride of... Of their children. When was the last time your teenager said. Are you busy Friday night? Because I want to take you to the mall. And show you off to my friends. I'm so proud of you. Come on dad. I want you to come to my game. And I want you to yell when nobody else is talking. Or yelling and clap. And stand up and say my name. And hold a sign that you're cheering for me. Because I'm so proud of you. Now how many know it goes the other way? Uh, Drop me off here. My friends are over there. Just right here. How many know what I'm talking about? All right. If you don't, you will. And so, you know, this is the way it should be. This is God's order. Think about it. If, if you, your children can come to the place and say, man, I'm really proud of my parents. And that's godly way. How many know what I'm talking about? And I believe that love spells family this way. Love spells family this way. Forget about me. I love you. How many know that's how love spells family? Forget about me. I love you. Amen. And so this develops your priorities. When you begin to to do what's right and love what's right, this begins to develop, as a child or teenager, your priorities in life. You begin to prioritize what's right. How many know, as an adult, one of the things you learn, there's many things you want to do but never get to do because there's things you have to do. Amen? Amen. Many parents, many parents put their future, their career, their dreams, their expectations, their desires on hold to raise their kids, right? Is that a bad thing? No, that's a good thing. But, you know, kids need to see that. They need to understand that. Kids need to see that, man, my parents could be doing a lot of other things right now, but they wanted to raise me. They wanted to take time to build a family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that. And the last point I want to bring out about love and, and the role of love. And that is this, not only a love for God, a love for what's right, but a love for your parents. And I believe that just like when God created Adam... God created an unmet need in Adam, right? That's what he said. I will make him a help meet suitable for him. I believe that God created an unmet need in children. It's an unmet need. Now, we can say amen to that, but you need to know that as a, as a child, as a kid, that there's unmet needs in your life that only parents can meet. And so it's to be loved, to be valued, to, to be secure, to be cared for, and, and to be taught. These are things that God has for a parent in your life not anybody else but a parent and so you have to understand that there's a love for your parents how many know i'm talking about right that not great and you know you you love those days when they bring those cards home and they do that cut out, and I love mommy this much, you know, and they do this and do that, you know, but man, you, you about fall out in your chair if your teenager says, I love you, right? That, but that's a good thing, isn't it? That's a good thing. Why? Because they need to be progressing in that and growing in that. It doesn't stop when they're teenagers. It doesn't stop when they're adults. It grows stronger. Their love for for their parents grows stronger in different ways. Now, some of you say, well, my, my love for my parents have really grown stronger. It's kind of, you know, did this do that over the years, but still, as a child, that's where God wants us to go, that our love for our parents grows stronger, and so let me give you a couple things here, I believe when our love for our parents is, it's important to receive your parents' love, you know, a lot of children really can't receive their parents' love, they don't really receive, they're they're unthankful, they're ungrateful, they're just demanding, you need to, it's important to to receive your parents' love, you say, well, my dad doesn't love me like so-and-so's dad, well, my mom, she doesn't love me. She doesn't spend time with me like my friend's mom. Or she doesn't do this and she doesn't do that. Listen, you need to receive them, uh, their love, as they give it. It may not be to your expectations, but you need to receive your parents' love. One of the things that's important to understand is a, as a growing up in a home is that, and, and a teenager especially is that you have core relationships in your life that have to stay strong. There are core relationships in your life that you always have. You'll have people in your life that come and go. How many know, remember your high school friends? How many thought they were the best friends in the world? You'll never part, and you haven't seen them for 30 years. But how many know your parents aren't like that? Your parents, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, these are core relationships in your life that last forever. These are what I call core relationships. And so you've got to strengthen your core relationships. Nothing can come between them. Don't let anything damage or destroy your relationship with core people in your life. Amen. Starting with your parents. Think about it. And so I I believe, again, you can be yourself in the context of these relationships and these principles. And, you know, if you lose this or you destroy these things, what happens is you lose your God-given compass on the inside. If these relationships are broken at a young age, if these relationships are lost or destroyed, there's something on the inside of all of us that that we lose like this God-given compass of who we are, where we should go, what we should do in life, right? We really do. And so I just want to encourage you in some things, and that is, uh, as to kids and to children, is don't let your mobile devices or social media or entertainment or your friendships get between you and your parents. Don't, Don't let it happen. Don't let those things happen. It's important that you surrender your expectations and your demands and your wants to the Lord. It's important you do that, especially when you become an older teenager and you just surrender those things to the Lord. And I'll never forget talking to a young lady and she just tried to reach out to her dad and her dad was incarcerated and just tried to build a relationship with him. she had never had it. And she wanted a relationship so desperately with her dad and she reached out and reached out and just said, you know what? He'll never change. That's who he is. He's always a criminal. He'll be a criminal. He doesn't love me. He never loved me and never will. And I said, you know, that should not Deter you from reaching out and loving him. He's still your dad. Amen? How I many do that? And so she did that and she was faithful to do that. I'll never forget. There was one day where she got a card back in the mail and he apologized and repented and said, I'm sorry for not being your dad. I mean, think about it. Amen. Her reaching out and her willingness to go beyond herself and her expectations and, and forget about all those demands that she had and just say, I love you for who you are, broke his heart. Amen. Softened his heart. And so I believe that, you know, as our culture, we talked about our world without God wants to create a world, wants to create your world as a child that separates you from the real world. So I I think that what we have to understand is there is a there is a, a fight and a battle going on, but yet that battle doesn't have to be in our house. Our battle needs to be outside. Amen. And and spiritual battle. And the second thing we understand about loving your parents and a love for your parents is not just an important, it's important to receive the love from your parents, but also receive them as people. You know, there's a lot of kids that just don't see their parents as people. That's what I'm talking about. In other words, they just, well, you're my dad. Well, you're supposed to do that, you know. Or, okay, yeah, whatever. You're just going to tell me you love me. You know, and, and I'll never forget someone saying, you know, well, you're my mom. You're supposed to say that. You're supposed to tell me you love me. And the mom said, "You know, I know you the best. That's why I can say I love you. Think about it, because that's what it's all about. So it's important to receive them as people. And here's some keys to that: lead, Let them lead. Let your parents lead. Let them in. I mean, just let them in. Some kids. I mean, they have all these signs on the outside of the room: No, no parents allowed. No girls allowed. No kids. Right? And you know, let them in. Let them into your heart. Let them into your life. Let them try. Let them fail." Give your parents mercy and grace to make mistakes. You know, because how many know the Bible says that when you need it, it's there for you. Amen. And, you know, kids have a way of, if I look at it, and I look at my kids following me, just like the disciples follow Jesus. I'm not saying that I am Jesus. I'm just saying that's what it's like. They're following you. Uh, you know, when Jesus came and he picked his disciples, he taught them for many years. And then he said, look, I'm leaving I'm going, to let you, I'm going to release you. You're going to do this. And how many know that's what happens with our children? We're teaching them. They're following us. And we're going to teach them life so we can release them, right? And say, now you do it, right? You do it. You do it. God's with you. You can do it. And how many know, as someone who's leading, like parents, a lot of kids don't understand, since parents are leading, that they're the most, they're the most vulnerable to criticism. Because they're leading your family, they stand the most criticism. How many know it's always easy to call it from the stands? Oh yeah. How many know we're the best referee on the couch? Yes, we are, right? We, we, can tell, we can tell any quarterback what to do from the couch, right? And and kids, you can always, it's always easier to say say it and criticize because you're not leading, but when you're leading, it's a totally different story, right? So parents stand the most criticism because they're leading the way. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 26 says, if you just take from your dad, and you push away your mom, you are a child who brings shame and disgrace. Proverbs 10.1 says, happy is the man with a level-headed son, or a son who gets it. He gets it. He understands. He understands what's going on. He understands his parents. He understands things going on that they work hard, and they, they provide for him, and they don't have a lot to give them, but they're doing their best. A wise son gets it. But the Bible says, but sad is the mother of a rebel or someone who is constantly against their love. Wow. And so the third and last point that I want to give you is not only do you receive them as people and it's important to receive their love, but it's important to give back to them. It's important to give back to them. It's important. As a child or a teenager, it's important to give back. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul said this, that when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man or an adult, I put away childish things, or I put those things behind me. Now, let me just say this. Adulthood is not measured by an age. Anybody? Or it's not measured by you being... Uh, thrown into an adult situation or to adulthood at a young age. Just because kids are, you know, like I think of the, the many of the teenagers in our nation who are become pregnant before they're 20 years old, that doesn't automatically make them mature. Come on, without a father, and as a teenager, I mean, a 15-year-old girl that has a baby, now that pushes her into an adult situation, that pushes her in adulthood, but she's got to make the choice, I'm going to be mature about this. You know, my grandfather, my dad's dad, I mean, at a young age, he was a young man, and he kind of really took over the farm, the family farm. How many know that's mature, to receive that kind of responsibility? How many know I'm talking about? He matured at a young age, I believe. But how many know? Amen. Just because someone is eighteen doesn't make them mature. So, 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 what is this? What is the measurement of growing here? That he says. He says, "I talk like a child. I thought like a child. I reason as a child." But I became a man. Oh, when did he become a man? When he got his mustache. Oh, he became a man. No, not when he was eighteen. Not when he got his first mustache. Not when he got his first car. That's not when he became a man. He said, "I put away." Childish things. In other words, the level of unselfish thinking and unselfish understanding. That's when he became a man. He became a man. Paul said, I became when he how many know it's measured by the level of selflessness. When a when a child or a young person begins to wash the dishes and sweep the floor when they don't not ask, and they start to look at their parents, Mom, you work hard. Uh, maybe I can help with supper. Maybe, and maybe the mom says, "Oh, please don't, right? Maybe I can do something. Can I help? Can I do? See, there's, there's that maturing. There's that maturing. When, when a child sees, sees their, their parents and how much they do for them and says, "I love you because you do so much for me, how I many that's a step towards maturity? Come on somebody. Amen. And so let me just give you as a child some ways to give, some ways to give to your parents. I believe that you should be quick to apologize, be quick to repair your relationship. The uh, ways to give is understand your parents' workload. Understand their life issues that are surrounding them. Just because, you know, parents have to move and they have to relocate because of a job, because of this, or because of that. Amen. How many know you need understanding kids at that time? You really need your kids to be understanding. Understand your parents' workload. Encourage them. Cheer them up. Do something nice for them. Be grateful for everything. Don't be a taker. Don't be a grabber. Be a giver. Every little effort helps. Every little thing that you can do and say with your parents helps, amen. And then take the initiative. Do it without asking. These are ways that you can give. And so, as you do this, as you love God and you you love what's right and you love your parents and you 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 give back to them, this develops your protection. This develops your protection, uh, not just being safe and secure, but then offering it to other people someday. You see, we're not raising kids to be kids. We're raising kids to be adults. Is that right? And we're raising teenagers to be adults, strong, strong adults, godly adults. How many know it's not enough just to raise your kid to be a Christian? You need to raise godly kids. Hello? I'm not after Christian kids. I'm after godly kids. Well, they're, they're Christian, they go to church, they vote this way, they do this, they do this. That makes them a good Christian. No, I want them to be godly. I want them to have wisdom. I want them to make the right choices. I want them to, to hear God. I want them to know God. I want them to pick the right partner. Come on. How many know you don't pick somebody just because they go to church? You pick them because they're godly. Is that right? I didn't get too big of them. Amen, but that's okay. Amen. So. Amen. How many know there's roles for children in our family? Amen. How many agree to that? Amen. So let's stand on our feet today. We're going to pray for our families today. Amen. So those of you who are with us and uh, joining us online, we want to pray for your family. We want to pray over your kids. And maybe you're there with your child or your kid or your teenager or young adult. Maybe you can just join hands together. Maybe you can just pray. Amen. In your home or wherever you are. Let's pray over our families today. Let's pray over our kids. Lord, we just thank you that you have the best in mind Lord and when you design family and you set up the structure and roles for families Lord it was for very good to be in mind for us Lord we want to step into that very good Lord in our families Lord we're not perfect people we're not trying to be perfect we're not trying to be right we're trying to get it right that's what it's about we want to get it right Lord and Lord I just pray that you would just as our family whoever all we are everything that was going on in our lives right now in our homes right now in our culture right now, we pray that you, your word, would be the determining factor in our home. Your spirit would be, Lord, the change in our home. Your peace, your joy, your love would be, the Lord, that radical agent in our home. Lord, among us, Lord, I pray for all the families. I pray for protection. I pray for blessing. I pray for healing, Lord. Not just physically, but emotionally. And spiritually, I pray for healing. I pray for relationships that are broken from child and, and, and father and child and mother and teenagers and adults and kids and families, Lord. I pray that they would be healed in Jesus' name. This is the hour. Lord, a mark of the end times is that you are turning the hearts of the children back to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers back to the children. You're doing something among the families in our day. We agree with it. We stand by it. We want to see it in our day, in our city, Lord. We want to see all the families saved, all the families healed, and all the families, Lord, come into wholeness and soundness and completion in Jesus' name. I pray over our children, our teenagers, young adults, that you would bless them. Let them know who you are. Let them hear your voice. Let them feel your touch. Lead them and guide them into the purpose that you have for them in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen this morning?